In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Maybe 12, 14 years ago, as a young priest invited by homeschoolers to go skiing during their ski vacation, which was the week after everyone else goes back to school in January, I stumbled upon something never uh, I'd never even thought about before, which was at the same time that all the homeschoolers, probably about 10, 15, 20 families, were occupying a good section of Seven Springs Resort, there was a convention of bartenders that were celebrating New Year's. <laughs> so it makes sense. Bartenders wish each other Happy New Year on a day when they can actually celebrate and not work. I don't think it's a fixed day. Uh, believe me, I haven't looked too much into it. There's New Year's that begin uh, to mark a new activity. We know there are different countries that celebrate New Year depending on a different type of event. So our old Roman calendar, which then became the Julian calendar, then the Gregorian calendar, uh, begins on January 1st. Then there are the lunar calendars, which begin with the first new moon of spring. So I think it's somewhere between February and, and March. So that would be uh, Chinese New Year, Korean New Year, Vietnamese New Year would be, uh, would be uh, concerned with that. And then there's the solar New Year, which I only learned about a few years ago. Um, so that would come from the, the old Babylonian calendar and also the Zoroastrian calendar begins with the, the shift of the sun to the northward over the celestial horizon, which, um, well, it's vernal equinox for us. So anywhere between March 19 and March 21st. And then there's Jewish New Year, which even though the Jewish calendar follows the, the lunar months, Rosh Hashanah is triggered to begin exactly 165 days after the first day of Passover. And it has to do more with, um, more with harvest and, and productive activity. So there's lots of people that wish each other Happy New Year at different times of the year, and also for different purposes. Today being the first Sunday of Advent is the day when I consider our new year. We went from the back, the last page of the book on Saturday, yesterday morning, so now we're, on, we're back on the first page of the book. But consider what, what is involved when we wish someone a happy new year. What does the year even have to offer? What's at stake? How do your prospects look? How much do you need it to be a good year? And do you even enjoy the activity about to be resumed? So let's consider maybe um, accountants. Um, is July 1st really an occasion to say Happy New Year? Prob probably not. Uh, for baseball fans, though, as I've observed and gradually become one, uh, first day of spring training, when, when pitchers and catchers report, next year maybe around February 20th, that certainly is a... A happy new year, it's a happy new beginning of something hopeful. What's at stake might not be terribly important in terms of eternity, but if your prospects look good and, and you, to the degree that you need it to be a good year, 
um, then it could be something hopeful. Well, in our year, let's ask ourselves similar questions. Do we even enjoy the activity about to be resumed? Which presumes the question, what's the activity that we're resuming? And precisely, it's not just the church calendar year, it's the liturgical calendar. The liturgy is our public work of the church to worship God. So we can ask ourselves a question, do we enjoy worshiping God? There are lots of factors in it, the music, the, the art, the architecture, the preaching, um, the smells, the looks, the, the, the community around you. All of that is largely circumstantial because the primary activity is Jesus Christ, the high priest, the eternally begotten Son of God, offering himself up in sacrifice to God the Father. And our participating in that worship, our participating in that sacrifice. Do you enjoy that? It helps to know that it's happening, to know more about it. It also really helps to be involved in that every day, to be praying every day. Not just to be praying every day that God send me good things or that God send good things to other people, but that what I'm doing today can be offered up to God as a sacrifice. Maybe we do that in the context of maybe a morning offering with the brown scapular or other ways that we deliberately offer up what we're doing, what we're enjoying or what we're enduring to God the Father. So to the degree that we really pray every day, I'm willing to bet that you enjoy worshiping God. For those who don't enjoy it and they complain to you, it's worth asking the question, do you feel like you're very good at it? And we rarely enjoy doing things that we don't feel like we're good at. So what can we do to try to get good at it? Maybe understand it a little bit better. Maybe practice. Pray. What does this year have to offer? What does the liturgical year have to offer? It is another year to meditate on all of the sacred mysteries of the life of Christ. From the preparation for his coming into the world all the way until the expectation of his returning again. And in that sense, the beginning of Advent overlaps. We, in fact, begin Advent by considering the ultimate purpose of things, which is the reunification of everything under his headship before God in heaven. That's the purpose for his coming. And our, our participating in it, our meditating on all of the aspects of life and the death and the resurrection of Christ is either tedious, if we don't care, torturous, if we think it's false, and uh, glorious, if we understand it and believe in it. Imagine the evil one having to hear about all these things over and over again, just reminding him of all of his failure and all of his defeat all of the futile efforts to, to thwart God and to thwart his church. What's at stake? Well, our salvation. Your soul is at stake. Because it's, it's by virtue of this, uh, of this bond with God that we have him inside of us. It's by virtue of this sacramental life 
which is the fruit of this worship of God, the fruit of this public liturgical life, that we have the indwelling of the Holy Trinity. So it goes without saying that we really do need it to be a good year. We can put it in the need category, not the want category. And then lastly, how do our prospects look? Well, if we're all honest with ourselves and do a good examination of conscience, we have to admit that to the degree that things depend on me, things are pretty bleak. To the degree that things depend on God, the prospects are excellent. And that's sort of the point of this distinction of the different years. They're not false. They all point to a supernatural reality, which is God revealed in nature. With the new year does come sun and rain and oxygen and warmth and new life from God. To the degree that that the calendar refers to uniquely human activities, things for which we are totally responsible, we can only um, dread the outcome. To the degree that the calendar refers to us as secondary causes, as instruments of God's grace, as ambassadors of God's mercy, then not only do we expect to see good things happening, we get the opportunity to look forward to good things happening through us. And ultimately, to the degree that the calendar refers to God's direct activity, his adopting us, his blessing us, his absolving us, his sanctifying us, then we realize that um, this calendar doesn't just refer to things happening on earth. It's really a reference to our already participating in the life of heaven. And so if this is a new year, and if it's going to be a blessed one, more than happy, maybe a few resolutions are in order. I suggest mm, maybe one that you do frequently. Um, I resolve to sin no more and to avoid the near occasion of sin. I resolve to love God. I resolve to love my neighbor. I resolve to love my enemy. Impossible if it's all up to me. But with God, all things are possible. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.